Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you know what time it is. It's Thursday at 9 p.m., which means it's episode 18 of Two Nerds in a Pod. Not our usual time, but our usual place. Mac, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing pretty good, Mr. Nice Guy. Pretty good. It's been an interesting week, a fun week. Uh, definitely an interesting week, though, but but good. Interesting, but good. You said interesting twice, which means it must have been doubly interesting. And it sounds yes. like you might have a story or two to tell. Is that is that a fair assumption? Uh, I I do, Mr. Nice Guy. If you if you don't mind, I brought some popcorn, so let's hear it. Awesome, awesome. So, uh, this week has been super super crazy. Personally, um, academically, uh, professionally, been crazy. But. I had something really, really awesome happen over the week. So I've been rebuilding my motorcycle from the ground up, um, you know, taking every single piece apart, putting it back together and things like that. And, uh, you know, just a little by little so it's not overwhelming. Sure. Um, and, uh, and a couple of weeks ago, I bought this nifty little thing on Amazon for a few bucks, a, you know, digital caliper, right? Um, and it, you know, it was like eight bucks or whatever. Anyway, as I've been going through and rebuilding all this stuff, I run into, you know, weird little little O-rings and washers and things that, um, uh, that you know, that need to be replaced, right? Sure, sure. So uh, what's interesting is that sometimes they're pretty normal. It's like, you know, a normal, like just run-of-the-mill O-ring, right? I can measure the inner diameter, I can measure the outer diameter of the thing and find the right, uh, the right O-ring to replace it. But some of them are weird. So like these ones go on the carburetor and they are this, uh, they're this sort of supposed to be like vacuum seal thing. Now are you, Takes- are you trying to do like an original restoration, like original bolts, original screws, every piece? No, not really. Just bring it to full uh, to full operation. Okay, I'm with you. Basically. I'm with you. So, I mean, but like for great question, because for example, um, on this, you know, it's a it's a 1982 um, Yamaha. Okay. Almost all of the um, all, a lot of the uh, a lot of the screws and such use what looks like a Phillips head, but it's not actually a Phillips head. It's called a JIS, which is like a Japanese international standard or something or Japanese uh, industrial standards, something. But it's actually different. So if you use a regular Phillips screw head, you run a high risk of stripping it out. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It just doesn't seat down right. So I, I've done away with all that nonsense by replacing everything with hex heads. So I'll do it all with metric Allen key, with a metric Allen wrench set from here on, which is like, which is great because you don't, you you might shear off a bolt, but you are never going to, you're never going to uh, uh, to strip the head on an Allen on an Allen bolt. Never. It's just right. not going to happen. Right, right, right. So, <clears throat> well, uh, well. Anyway, so like I was saying, you you run into these weird little little O rings, and so like I can't really show this on camera, but this has, uh, but this is like flat on one side. And that it's got like a, a V, it's, it, you know, kind of like V's out all the way around to help with like, you know, with like an airtight seal on the carburetors. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, you can buy these things for $5 a piece before shipping. Or, because, you know, normally if you don't have like a set of calipers, you would just be like, 
type in your make, your model, your whatever, and go find, you know, whatever wor whatever works for it. But because I had some calipers, I could actually uh, I could actually find the sizes for the things and find out that they only cost like you know, uh, you know, like twenty cents a piece. So uh, so next time I wind up getting paid, these calipers will have made up their purchase price more than I could have ever hoped in just one thing. So yeah. Digital calipers. So what percentage, what percentage of the way are you to being done with the restoration? Oh, to being done? Ugh. Um, well, let's see. The carburetors... Um, well, no, I want to... I'm probably 10% of the way there. Wow, so you got a ways Just, to go. But it's, a fun, oh, it's yeah. a fun project, though. It is, and by summer it'll be done. So it's just one of those things really nice because it's like little by little. Do I have some time? Sure, I'll go out. Uh, you know, I'll go out into the garage and you know scrub something. Uh, do I have some time today? Sure, I'll take you know I'll take a carburetor apart. Do I have some you know that sort of thing? Just little by little, so it's not overwhelming. I am loving it. So yeah, that's my week. Interesting, fun, rewarding, terrific. At least that's the story I'm going to tell today. Fair enough. Well, Mac, I'm going to one up you, man, because Sunday was my birthday. So as far as stories go, I think I think that wins it, right? <laughs> that that does win it. Happy birthday. Oh man, I'm yeah, terrible. Dude. I didn't even I didn't even think. You know, uh, now that I think about it, I'm not I was I had no I, concept of when your birthday dude, was cuz I'm a, a bad trip. friend. This is not a, this is not a guilt trip at all cuz I'll be honest, I don't oh, know. I'm going to guess yours is in May. Is yours in May? No. But See, you're close. I'm a, I'm a bad friend June. too. So, you know, so no, no, it's in June. So, I mean, like, you're close. Fair enough. Well, dude, it was just a laid back birthday. It was just a good day. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, in my 30s, you know, early 30s. So, I did stuff that people in their early 30s do hung out with the wife and kids, uh, had really, really good food, and uh, got a new pair of shoes. That's exactly what I wanted, you know, some tennis shoes. Uh, very, very laid back day, but it was a lot of fun, man. So. That was the highlight of my week, was just hanging with the family on my birthday. Because last year, I had just gotten to Chicago on my birthday. So I spent the day at the Galloping Ghost Arcade, which is an awesome arcade. But I was effectively all alone, so I just played arcade games all day and, uh, and ate Chinese food. So this year, it was nice to have so my family So you lived with the me. bachelor life for a day. I had the bachelor life for a day, which is fun, but I missed the family, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. So this year, I just had the kids. They tackled me and beat me up all day. And it was a good day, man. It was a nice, relaxing day. So Nice. Well, that's uh, we're seven minutes in. We try to keep it to an hour. So, Mac, if you're okay with it, I say we get right into the gaming news, man. Absolutely. Sorry about boring you all with motorcycle talk, but it's big deal for me. So, But big deal for you guys is the news. Let's do it. And for those of you guys who are here live or who are listening to this after the fact on iTunes, this is Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. I'm Lom, also known as Mr. Nice Guy, and I have my co-host here with me, known as Call Maxion. me Maxion. Maxion. Let's hop into the gaming news. Now, this is a news story that kind of got me excited, because sometimes a game comes out and you want to play it, but you don't think it's worth full price. Now, this is one of those games on Game Informer. It says The Last Guardian finally came out last year after starting development as a PS3 title. If you've been holding off on the game for whatever reason, perhaps a new permanent price cut will sway you. 
The game is now $39.99 at various retailers, including the official PlayStation Digital Store. Uh, and Polygon has spoken to a Sony official who confirmed that the price cut is permanent. So for those of you PS4 uh, fanboys like myself, I'm actually not a fanboy, but I do like PS4. What are you drinking, Mac? Mac is drinking something. What's that that you're holding up to the camera? Uh, it's just some lemonade. Some kind of fruit juice? Oh, okay. It looks delicious. You know, not, not su- surprisingly, Walmart has a good market-side lemonade. It's good stuff. Nice. What's, is it reasonably priced? It's, it's uh, good? It's good stuff? He's nodding. All of the he's, above. He's nodding. Now, for those of you who are thinking about getting into The Last Guardian, this is an official price drop, $39.99. And it brings up something that I want to talk about for a second, Mac. Games, full retail games, not in count, not including indie games, not including digital downloads, not including episodic episodic games, are traditionally $60, $59.99 at release. And obviously we're not talking about collector's editions. Do you think that maybe we need to change that standard in the industry? Maybe maybe some full releases, quite frankly, could be 40 and it would help sales. Do you think that's a good idea or do you think they should just stick with 60 to start and then drop the price later if the game underperforms? Well, I mean, we're just talk if we if we're just talking straight uh, you know, uh, economics stuff, you know, you're going to smell, sell more units at a lower price because more people who want it will be willing to part with that much money to get it. But um but uh, I don't know. It's always a little bit of a risk breaking from industry tradition, such as uh, such as the sixty dollar price tag. Um, ugh, I don't know. I hope I, I hope it works out for them, but I'm not much of one for arguing against the status quo most times. And just to be clear, this game has actually been out for a couple months, and it's now dropping to thirty nine ninety nine. Which my price point for this game is twenty bucks, just based on the reviews that I've read. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it has some bugs. But I feel like maybe if it had been initially a cheaper game, that it would have done better. There was another game that came out earlier this year, and it was kind of like Overwatch. I can't remember the name right now. But it came out right before Overwatch and got blown out of the water because it wasn't quite as good. I feel like if they had started it off at 20 bucks, it might have been more successful. So just something to think about for the future. Let us know what you guys think in the chat if you have an opinion on that. Next news story. And, Mac, this is going to interest you, potentially, because I know you're a mobile guy. Uh, this is on GameSpot. It says Fire Emblem. Oh, and now my phone's reloading it. Fire Emblem makes its mobile debut today with Fire Emblem Heroes, a game that also marks the first free-to-play mobile game for Nintendo. Heroes is already available in many regions around the world. In the U.S., the Android and iOS versions both arrived this afternoon. You can grab the appropriate version through the link it has here on this site. Uh, when it was first announced, there was some initial confusion that Heroes would be available on Android first as Super Mario Run was on iOS. That later proved not to be the case. Support for other mobile operating systems has not been announced. Heroes features the same basic components as mainline Fire Emblem games, although the action has been shrunk down to work on mobile devices as a free-to-play game. Also, Mac, I know you love microtransactions, Uh, so it does feature microtransactions. Most free-to-play games do. It says, while Nintendo says you can pay without playing... What the... I think they meant to say play without paying. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it says you can pay without playing. Why would you give well, money? Well, I'm sure you could do that. I mean, you, you just could, yeah. Why would you? It'd be a waste of your money, um, but that's a funny typo. There are elements of the Japanese gacha model where you can pay to unlock a random character. You can get some of the premium currency used for this free through, free through my Nintendo. 
Uh, Mac, had you heard about this game? Uh, and, and is it something that you think you'll give a shot, man? Um, I had heard about it. Uh, from what I had heard, it was, you know, basically Fire Emblem Heroes was supposed to be a pretty faithful, uh, faithful Fire Emblem game. Um, you know, art from artwork, characters to mechanics and various other things. Uh, basically, you know, it, it, it is cool to always hear about a game that has been on consoles, you know, especially old school consoles, getting a fresh release yeah. on mobile devices. So that does excite me. Now, Fire Emblem, the series, has never really been something I've paid much attention to. So that's not really inclining me that way. I'm probably not going to try Fire Emblem Heroes. Just it's free, though. It's free. Eh, and so you can Final pay. So you can even pay without playing it, Maxion. You can so just throw your money at him and never try the game. So was Final article. Fantasy Record Keeper. That was also free, and that didn't last long for me. I think I only stuck with Final Fantasy Record Keeper for a few hours. And you're a so, fan of Final Fantasy. Well, some Final Fantasies, but but I'll I'll, I'll talk about that later. I don't want to I don't want to keep us from the news, but you know, but some Final Fantasies. So now, yeah, real... Fire Emblem Heroes probably it's not really on my list. Now, real quick, did you ever try the Mega Man Mobile games that came out? Have those I did. Out? They were terrible. They were terrible. They weren't good. Re... Okay. Gosh, they were bad, and uh, and it, it 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 you know controls bad um, and frames bad. I even did a very brief live stream because I have a, a shield, an NVIDIA Shield tablet, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I can actually stream straight from my tablet. Um, and so I streamed for a, co for a couple of minutes uh, until minutes. I was just disgusted. Yeah, and then, I, and then I refunded the purchase and was just like, nope. <laughs> Fair enough. Well guys, we do got some more good gaming news for you guys. This one really entertained me. This is on Kotaku. Um, and it says, oh, and I'm going to have to pull it back up. Uh, but this does deal with an AMA on Reddit. For those of you who don't know what an AMA is, it's a, it's where someone can go on Reddit, someone who's famous or well-known, and allow their fans, allow the public to ask them anything. It's called a Ask Me Anything. Then uh, you can do it on Reddit. And this, this article says, G2A is a site where people sell game keys. You've probably heard of it thanks to YouTubers slash streamers who cut juicy sponsorship deals to promote it. However, the site's also received widespread criticism for lax security fraud and making money at developers' expense. G2A recently tried to hold an AMA. It did not go well. People lobbed every question they could think of at GT G2A and didn't skimp on the hostilities. Questions included, are you or are you not aware of how much harm you've done to the gaming industry? Next question. If GT2A is a legitimate company with legitimate keys and resellers, why can't you offer buyer protection for free to your customers? The author says, and my personal favorite, which one of you thought that an AMA would go well on Reddit where so many people hate you? G2A's answers got downvoted so far they had to tell users to change comment sorting in order to see them. G2A tried to argue that developers don't get hurt by their practices and they have a strict verification process in place to maintain that. Quote, let's clear it up. If a key is on G2A, that means that they came from the developer, which means they have already been paid, G2A wrote. If you want to buy that game on our marketplace, they won't receive any additional money out of that. Actually, they could go with G2A Direct, but let's not go into that here. Um, they also said they take the possibility of stolen keys very seriously. Now, Mac, have you ever bought a key on this site? I, I never have. Yes. You have. I've 
bought um I've bought a few keys. Um I've mostly though I've I mean, you know, this is just me throwing it out there. I've mostly actually bought games on G2A for my computer that I already owned for like Xbox 360. So like Left 4 Dead 2 or um and now, Left 4 Dead 1 and, and a few I'm others. Uninitiated, I'm uninitiated when it comes to this type of of transaction. <clears throat> what's the, what's the advantage of G2A over Steam? It's usually cheaper. Okay, and okay. uh you you buy it on G2A and you'll get you know you'll get yourself a a Steam key that you can redeem on on Steam. Um but uh, but you know that was something that I hadn't really thought about. Um, when you go click through and you're you're buying your thing, you can pay a little bit of extra for buyer protection. Um, I've never bought buyer protection on G two A. Maybe I should have, but uh, and, uh, and yeah, but that is that is interesting. That's that's something I hadn't really thought about before. Like they were saying, if you were confident in all the you know in everything being legitimate, why don't you guys just offer buyer protection for free? So that's a good point. Yeah. Well, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Take it as you will. Uh, three more news stories, and then we'll move on to our next segment. This one comes from Polygon. It says the Nintendo Switch will require a paid subscription for online gaming, and we now have an idea of how much it will cost. 2,000 to 3,000 yen per year, which is between $17.63 and $26.44. Nintendo president uh, Tatsumi Kimishima gave the price range in an interview with Nikkei today, telling telling the Japanese newspaper that, quote, with paid services, we will be able to fully commit to customers. The Switch will be the first Nintendo system on which the company will charge for online play. Neither the Wii or Wii U required a subscription for networked multiplayer games. That range is much cheaper than the cost of Microsoft or Sony's online services. Even if Nintendo were to charge $29.99 a year in the U.S., it would be half the price of an annual subscription to Xbox Live Gold or PlayStation Plus, both of which cost $59.99. You know, I think this is great. I was worried that they were going to have it be the same price as PlayStation and and Mm -hmm. Xbox. Of course, PC and mobile guys will say, well, we don't pay anything for our online. Um, It's just there. But... It's not centralized, you know what I mean. So, well, I guess it kind of is with Steam, uh, in some ways. But regardless, I think if Nintendo is going to make it affordable and and they they are allowing people to try it before they buy it, I believe it's kind of in beta um, for the first six months. I believe until September or so, they're giving online service away for free. So, I mean, I think this is a great deal. And if I do end up getting the Switch, I think this is going to be something I'll purchase the online service. So, What do you mean, if you wind up getting a Switch? You've got two of them, don't you? I know, you? I have two of them pre-ordered, and that's in case one store messes up. But the launch lineup, man, the launch lineup, it's just Software sells it, the hardware. That's right. It's that, just, that is your catchphrase, friend. That's right, and it's just not where it needs to be for me. You know what I mean? Uh, it's like when you look at a Kickstarter and there's no playable demo, Mac. It's it's like yep. that. You know, you just got to say no. You just can't do it. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at with the Switch. But I have literally a month and a day to decide. So speaking of the week lineup for the Switch, that's a good transition into the next story. Um, this also deals with the Nintendo president. It says, when Nintendo unveiled the Switch earlier this month, many were convinced the company's vision for a system that blurred the line between home console and portable device. However, the potential of the hardware itself was tempered by a launch lineup that doesn't give early adopters much to be excited about. 
It's clear that Nintendo is banking on the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild to give fans a reason to buy the console on day one. The company's only other first-party release scheduled for launch day is 1-2 Switch, and the rest of the initial library is fleshed out by third-party titles like Super Bomberman R, Skylanders, Imaginators, and The Binding of Isaac Afterbirth Plus. Um, as such, it's easy to see why Nintendo has received some criticism, blah, blah, blah. It goes on. There's a quote from Tatsumi Kimishima, Nintendo president. He says, quote, Some of those who have seen this lineup have expressed the opinion that the launch lineup is weak, said Kimishima during an earnings call earlier this week, according to a report from GameSpot. It seems that the company's strategy strategy hinges around a steam a steady stream of games, content coming out after launch day he says our thinking in arranging the 2017 software lineup is that it's important to continue to provide new titles regularly without long gaps this encourages consumers to continue actively playing the system maintains buzz and spurs continued sales and momentum uh mac what do you think man one good game every month week week launch lineup and then one good game every month is that a good strategy uh i am I don't think it's a good strategy, obviously, because it because ha- that sort of an idea hasn't really won you over. Um, it has, and yeah. I think you're a pretty reasonable guy. So, uh, so I think that's probably not the best strategy. It is a strategy, and uh, I think honestly, though, if they had for the Switch um, another Mega Man game, we'll talk another Mega Man Classic game. Uh, throw in a new uh, side-scrolling or. So, or yeah, side-scrolling Metroid game. Yep, absolutely. Throw in another classic-style uh, Castlevania game. If they had just like one thing um, in the in addition to Zelda, right? Yeah, in addition to Zelda, just throw in one. Of these. Even if they just had one of those, that would probably be enough for most people to tip them over. And I mean, but honestly, if they could get another Metroid game, another Castlevania another Mega Man, on top of Breath of the Wild, you know, if they're aiming for one, like, good steady release each month, and they wind up getting getting that, I, I might even pick up a Switch for that. Well, the thing that frustrates me is they have Mario Kart coming out, Mario Kart 8. And Isn't that the... just, like, a re-release or yeah, something? Yeah, I mean, they, like, they're not even adding new tracks, I don't think. They're just adding a couple new characters, and it's not even coming out at launch. I mean, you, 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 they expect us to believe that a game that they released several years ago for the Wii U is not ready to go at launch for the Switch. That's, that's nonsense. So I don't know what they're thinking. Um, and I have the pre-orders. I think that I'll probably decide week of if I'm going to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I saw someone made an interesting argument uh, on, on a forum that I read, a video game forum, and they said, you know, if Nintendo really put out five awesome games day one, would would people really want to buy that many games? Because, I mean, Mac, you and I, neither of us are wealthy. Like you and I are not wealthy. Do like we do fine. Speak but we're, for yourself. We're not Chicago. millionaires. We're not millionaires. Like we have other financial responsibilities. Is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So if if Nintendo put out Mario and Zelda and Metroid and Pokemon and Smash Brothers and Mario Kart all day one, that's six games. That's mm-hmm. sixty bucks a pop. Uh, that's three hundred sixty dollars in addition to the the three hundred. That's that's after tax. That's seven hundred dollars. Now, could I come up with seven hundred dollars? Yes, but to me, that doesn't make any kind of sense to to buy all those games and and not have time to play all of them day one. So I think that that Nintendo. I kind of get where they're coming from. 
but I don't think that their launch lineup needs to be as weak as it is. They could put out two, you know, they could put out three games day one, it, and and maybe people would just buy one or two, but it would at least give some options, and people would know that, hey, I bought this, and I only had money to get Zelda day one, but Mario's out, and so once I get done with Zelda, I'll, I'll get Mario in a month or two, and they know that it's there, whereas now it's, you know, Zelda's here, and then we don't really know what else is coming. So I thought that was kind of an interesting argument. Yeah, I can certainly see the merit to it because, yeah, you don't have enough time to play six launch titles all at once. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's still, you know, I mean, it, you still have to ask yourself if the software's not there, is everybody who pre-ordered going to follow through on the and, and buy the, you know, buy the console? Yeah, I think that's a valid, valid question. So, last news story, and then we will get on to the next segment of the show. Uh, this is on GameSpot. It's about a lawsuit, but this is not the legalese uh, story. I checked with Mac to make sure. It says, ZeniMax Media has been awarded $500 million in its lawsuit against Oculus, which alleged that virtual reality technology it owns was stolen and used to develop the Oculus Rift. ZeniMax, the parent company of video game developers such as Fallout Maker Bethesda Softworks, had been seeking $2 billion in damages and $4 billion in punitive damages. The trial began in January and saw high-profile appearances from the likes of Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg. Bottom line, guys, ZeniMax did kind of, quote-unquote, win this lawsuit. Uh, $500 million is coming to them. Additionally, some of the CEOs of Oculus are having to pay out large amounts of money um, in, in this lawsuit. So, case in point, don't steal other people's ideas. Uh, don't even have the appearance of stealing other people's ideas. Whether you're in the gaming industry, uh, whether you're in comedy, whether you're in art, whatever it is, don't steal. That's it. And that's it for the news. Mac, I'll let you take it away. For the well, thank you, Mr. Nice Guy. Yeah. Welcome once again, viewers, both live as well as those of you who are listening to us on your iPad, iPod, or through anything else that plays iTunes. Is, Welcome is, is, is your, is to your, Two Nerds your, in a Podcast. Is your voice okay? Is, is your yeah, voice yeah, okay? it's it's do, doing great. This is how I this is how I normally talk. Okay, this, fair this, enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so on to the next segment, which is um, which is gaming history, where we talk a little bit about some of the things uh, from the past that have influenced uh, games that we love or other things today. Um, I do want to start with a little thing for Mr. Nice Guy, and that is, it was this past week, in the year 2005, Mr. Nice Guy, yes. that Take-Two Interactive created 2K Games Incorporated. Love it, love it. Thereby being the ones who uh, who started work and created the whole game, the whole line of 2K games, NBA 2K, NBA games. 2K, mm-hmm. and that's that's just for you, my friend. Appreciate that, buddy. No problem. Uh, for for me, little bit. Uh, Duke Nukem 3D mm. released for the PC in 1996. This past week. Um, now, of course, we've been disappointed by some of the things that have been brought to us under the Duke Nukem franchise title, um, most notably the most recent release of Duke Nukem Forever, which was by all accounts terrible. But Duke Nukem 3D was where they had uh, where they took Duke Nukem, which before then had been a side-scrolling uh, shooter, all a Jack Rabbit style. Let me guess, they made it 3D. Mr. Nice Guy. 
you, my friend, see to the heart of every issue placed before you. Like <laughs> King Solomon of old, you, you see to the heart of it. <laughs> yes, <Thanks>. absolutely. <laughs> it was it was how they how they brought it to um, uh, their their first three D game. Bear, bore a strong resemblance to, of course, uh, other three D first person shooters such as um, such as uh, Wolfenstein three D and Doom. Um, but you know, it was the first there and uh we get here from there of course that's right and then this delightful title from uh released on the ps1 in 1998 mr nice guy you could not have foreshadowed it any better by mentioning that i like final fantasy games specifically this one final fantasy tactics final fantasy tactics Hmm. is the greatest Final Fantasy game, particularly with respect to storyline. When I play a RPG, I want a good story, a good, an excellent world, and a consistent narrative. And Final Fantasy Tactics, one of my favorite games of all time, came out this week, and it delivers on all of those. Just this man's opinion, but I think it's great because no matter how big and powerful you get in the story, you don't suddenly, you know, you don't suddenly gain the worship and admiration of everyone around you. You are, you do not suddenly become Superman. As a matter of fact, you were hunt, still hunted and everything. It, it's just great. Yeah. If you haven't played Final Fantasy Tactics, it is well worth playing. Greatest Final Fantasy narrative ever. Now, does it hold up well? Because that's the real oh, question yeah. with a game now, like that. Now, the downside is, is, of course, it is a tactics game, which means that it's kind of like playing chess. That's how the gameplay it's goes. Like, it's like this Fire Emblem mobile game we've been talking about. Um, is that is that, suppo- is that a tactics-based? I believe uh... so, yeah. Okay, okay. Then, You're uh... taking turns attacking with each character, positioning them on the map type thing. Then, yes, indeed. Very yep. similar. So, I mean, it can get a little bit bogged down a touch because of that style of gameplay doesn't lend itself to too terribly fast takes a lot of time thought effort and things like that but the story the reason you're there the things that go on between the battles is so riveting and brilliant Uh, i mean it's really really great and that part holds up really well awesome so yeah and uh, and yeah, there's just a little bit of gaming history. There is one other one, but it doesn't hold a special place in my heart. So I'm going to throw out there just in case Mr. Nice Guy has any special feelings about this Let's one. Let's hear it. Let's hear in it. In 1999, Castlevania 64. Are you kidding? I love, oh, 64 specifically? Yes. I didn't play that one. But I love Castlevania, though. <laughs> love it. In fact, I'll tell when we talk about games we've been playing, one of mine this week was a Castlevania game. So Ooh, excellent. Now someone in the chat says Final Fantasy Tactics is not a game for impatient people. Mac, that is it sounds like that's what you were saying, right? Oh yeah. It takes it takes patience, but I mean the storyline it's just yeah, the story. Best narrative in all of Final Fantasy games. Nice. Well, boys and girls, that's been our gaming history. Now it's time for our viewer question of the week. And by viewer question of the week, I mean the Galvatron Gaming Guru's question of the week. Because he's Ooh. been hitting us up with questions every week. Galvatron's Gaming Minute. 
That's right. Galvatron's gaming moment. Is that what you said? Yes. yes. Dude, that's perfect. That's perfect. Well, this week, Galvatron wants to know, he says for this week, and I think he there was a typo. I think Smart Type messed up his question on Twitter. Uh, he says, for this week, does the PS4 Pro and Project Scorpio, I think he meant to say extend the end of three to five years, update the console cycle. That's phrased really weird, man. I think what he's <laughs> trying to say is, or what he's trying to ask is, can the PS4 Pro and the Project Scorpio extend the, the, the life of this console generation? Um, Mac, do you want to field that first, or do you want me yeah, to... Yeah, let me, let me get and take a stab at it. So for those of you who are listening to us in the year 2055, um, while we had gaming consoles, <laughs> they tended to have this refresh period of time, and that roughly wound up being the sort of three to five years um, was about the point in time at which, uh, at which an old console would be retired by the um, introduction of a new one from the same company. Now, of course, there are always outliers, but it's tended to be that. So the uh, the Scorpio and the PS4... Uh, help, help me out, Mr. Nice Guy. Uh, PS4 Pro. PS4 Pro, thank you. I was going to say PS4 Plus. Sorry. Um, but, uh, but the PS4 Pro and the, uh, and the, um, and the Scorpio um, are boasting some specs that make it look like it could potentially go longer than the uh, than the normal cycle. Um, however, I kind of see the game console cycle as being a little bit similar to uh, uh, to they call it the razor blade um, the razor blade uh, thing or um, Oh gosh, I am derailing poorly. But the point is, is that I don't think that this will uh, change too much the game, this cycle, because the game uh, console companies uh, will probably want to continue a regular refresh cycle. Um, you could conceivably keep going for, say, two years on your current cell phone, in spite of um, how things go in other spheres. But, uh, but. It's uh, but so many carriers try to push for that refresh each year. So I think we're probably going to see a fairly similar, you know, fairly similar refresh cycle on that. Yeah, and you know, I agree with Mac. I don't think that this. And actually, he clarified his question just now in the chat live. He said oh. he meant, do the mid-cycle consoles cancel the traditional three to five-year console refresh cycle? Oh, but it's, yeah, it's effectively yeah. the same question. I think he's asking, can this mid uh mid cycle console yeah is it gonna change things yeah yeah and here's why i don't think it will because frankly they play the same software but just with upgrades right now Mm -hmm. here's an example of a way that it could have extended the console lifespan with uh with the nintendo 3ds you know they had the 3ds they had the 3ds xl which was the mm-hmm. same thing, played the same games, but then Nintendo in- introduced the new Nintendo 3DS, and it played the old games, but it also played games that were specifically made for the new Nintendo 3DS. Now, that was a mid-cycle release that extended the life because it only played certain software that the previous iteration did not play. Uh, the PS4 Pro plays the same games, but it just has 4K capability. And it's my understanding that the Scorpio will be the same thing. It doesn't play any software that can't be played on the Xbox One. The PS4 Pro doesn't play any software that cannot be played on the original PS4 or on the PS4 Slim. 
It just gives you 4K capabilities. It maybe has a little bit faster processor, things like that. So to me, that doesn't extend the cycle. It's just a premium experience for maybe people who bought uh, initially, you know, who bought at launch and now want something a little better. Now, here's the thing. I don't have a 4K TV, and there's not enough 4K media being released for me to really want to go get one. So for that reason, I'm not going to buy a PS4 Pro. I'm not going to buy... I'm what not... about a 2K TV? Puns! Uh, Manchin's uh, got uh, jokes because uh, he knows okay. I like NBA 2K. That's fun. I like that. Uh, but yeah, you know, a lot of people, I think, haven't really jumped on the 4K bandwagon just because there's not enough media to justify it. There's not enough stuff coming out in 4K. And the PS4 Pro really only shines, from what I've heard, if you have a 4K TV. So I, I don't know how well it's going to do. Uh, and for that reason, I don't think it's going to extend the life cycle. It's just my thoughts. But that's a great question. Your questions of the week, you guys. Submit them, as he said in the chat, to at 2NerdsInAPod on Twitter. Or you can hit us up on Gmail at 2NerdsInAPodcast at gmail.com. Mac, it's all you, my friend. Take it away. All right. Well, so the next segment we have is a little thing called Kick or Kickstart. Welcome once again to Two Nerds in a Podcast, the nerdiest podcast in the known universe. Now, during this segment, we just uh, put out there some things that are going on on crowdfunding. And then we take a sort of informal poll between myself and Mr. Nice Guy about whether we think this should be kicked to the curb, get rid of it, or maybe... It should be kick-started. And we also, of course, welcome your input as well in the chat at that time. Now, I do have two, and I'm going to have to be quick on each of these. Um, the latter is a little, bit more, uh, a little bit more provocative, but the former is definitely worth pointing out, and that is Sunless Skies. Mr. Nice Guy, do you happen to know about a little game called uh, Sunless Sea? I do not. So, Sunless Sea is this uh, is this Lovecraftian game. It draws heavily on the Lovecraft mythos or myth mythos, yeah, mythos of uh, you sailing around on the uh, on on the big blue wet thing as uh, as they taught us <laughs> in Muppet Treasure Island. Okay, and uh, and running into all these sorts of horrors being set upon by crazy beasts and so on and so forth. Well, they've made a, they're making a follow-up called Sunless Skies. Um, it is very much in the same vein by the same people who made Sunless Sea that was really, really quite great. Um, it took four hours of their posting that they were going to do this on Kickstarter for them to meet their full goal. Um, so obviously there's a lot of excitement about it. Um, the art aesthetic is nice. I like it. It's not quite, it's, you know, it, it's kind of, uh, kind of 32 bit graphics or so. Nothing too crazy, but nothing, uh, too low res. And if you're interested in getting in on it, uh, 19 US dollars, 15, uh, 15 pounds is where you need to go to get yourself a, um, to get yourself a, a an early copy. Um, now, with regard to the project itself, uh, they've done it before. They've shown that they can do something good. They're making a sequel, um, and yeah, it could very well be a good uh, uh, be a good thing. I think it looks kind of cool, um, but uh, but I do have that one thing. 
I do have that one thing, and what that is, is it, Mac? A, what playable is it? Demo. a playable I demo. A playable demo. A playable demo. And this, of course, does not have a playable demo, so I will be letting this one. Uh, I'll be letting but, this one pass me by. But here's the thing: the playable demo. Now, did you you said this is a sequel, correct? Yes. So, so I suppose what, technically yes. the first one is That's the prequel right. you is read my, my playable mind. demo. Mm -hmm. You read my mind. And you know what? I totally get that. And I think for most for most folk that that is exactly what brings them in. The prequel is in fact the playable demo for Sunless Skies, which is why it only took 4 hours to get all 126 thousand dollars that they were that they put as their goal i mean now they're at 225 do they have stretch but, goals uh, on this or no uh let's see do they have stretch goals you know i didn't see stretch goals but it's actually been a day or so it always they makes might me wonder when a project gets overfunded like this what do they do with the extra cash now i'm gonna assume that a lot of it goes to the development of the game because I think people often underestimate how much it costs to make a game and then they end up asking for more money. But for these guys that get vastly overfunded and don't have a stretch goal, do they just like put the extra money in their pocket or what do they do? Do they actually make the game better? I'd love to see a breakdown of the financials. I'm just always curious yeah. about that. That's that's really uh, an interesting thing, you know. To me. Yeah, so yeah, no. Um, on the subject of uh, of stretch goals, most of their stretch goals are revolving around uh, things not so much the uh, not so much the the money, but like how many people have followed on Twitch, how many people liked it on Twitter, how many people did what. That's more of that. Now they do have uh, they do have a few you know financial stretch goals like adding um, more legendary places for you to run into. Um, unlocking the ability to do smuggling and things and so on and so forth. But uh, but most of their stretch goals um, and stretch rewards more like it are centered around the social stuffs. Got it. Got but, it. Uh, but yeah. Yep, I need my shareware three and a half inch floppy. Very true. Very true. <laughs> well, this brings us to... Oh, oh, and Mr. Nice Guy, what, what, what do you think about it? Dude, I don't know, man. I, I like the look of it. Uh, mm -hmm. But it doesn't it doesn't catch my eye. I'm gonna say kick it just based on, you know, I've realized that, that, that since this is your segment, this is kind of your baby, that a lot of my decision is hinged on your presentation. So like when you're not super passionate about it, sometimes I'm like, eh, if Mac doesn't like it, then I'm probably not gonna like it. No. Uh, so in this case, I'm I'm gonna actually <laughs> kind of defer to you, and I'm gonna say mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, I would kick this to the curb. I don't think that that it needs any more money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. Then on to the second one. This is a little less of a video game itself, um, as it is a sort of, and, and this is going to sound funny, there's a thing called Early Ninja. They are kickstarting, they are using a crowdfunding platform to get the money to be a more or less crowdfunding platform. Now... Let me just uh, let me just break Be this down. Yeah, before I start making fun, go ahead. Um, it's not entirely. It's not entirely um, that way. I'm I'm oversimplifying a little bit. But Early Ninja is trying to primarily focus in on being a hub for early access games. Um, as you know, a lot of the crowdfunding uh, crowdfunding comes with early access to it. But what they're trying to be is they're trying to be sort of 
um, shall we say, the budgetary people, the, you know, the accountant. And their argument is that a lot of games don't seem to go as well as they could on crowdfunding platforms because the developer burns through the money too quickly or, you know, various things. They're like, hey, what we want to do is we want to take that money and hold on to it and be a go-between between you, the funder, and them, the developer, yep. and meter out the cash so that they get stuff done at a, you know, more timely fashion, at a more regular interval, you know, whatever. And I can see the appeal to this sort of a thing, to this general idea. All you need is to have played one game that didn't turn out yep. like you would have liked, exactly. one game that was super delayed or anything like that, to feel like, hey, this could be a very good thing. This could be a thing. And as a matter of fact, they spend a lot of time, um, a, lot of their, a lot of their page here is dedicated to quoting big people in, you know, in gaming, like, uh, like Boogie, like Total Biscuit, like the extra credit guys, like Angry Joe, and um, saying like, hey, look, here are these people who, know, who agree with us that this is a big problem. I'm a little bit skeptical that they are the solution. I'm also a little bit skeptical about, um, you know, about making a go an additional go-between uh, between yeah. me and the developer for, uh, especially for holding out cash. And, uh, and I'm not entirely certain um, why, you know, so why they need so much money to hold money for other people. That's, um, yeah, yep. I know why a bank needs a lot of upfront capital to become a bank. Yeah, but um, eh, I mean, anyway, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. Um, they do they do promise things like being like keeping developers on target, helping for transparency, and even potentially offering refunds to the backers who are displeased with how it's going or if it's not going on time. But mm, I don't know. I've I've got this sort of this sort of feeling and I would say and I would say kick it, let this one let this one head out the door. Just just for my take. Yeah, it seems and maybe I'm misunderstanding, but it seems like the whole premise of this is that crowdfunding fails sometimes. So their solution is to crowdfund something that will stop crowdfunding from failing. And I don't know, maybe I'm overcomplicating it or oversimplifying it, one of the two. Um, but it just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. So I'm not going to make a lot, spend a lot of time making fun of the idea because, you know, if they can do it, more power to them. And, you know, some ideas that people thought were always dumb uh, turn out to be brilliant, you know, so we'll see what happens, but I would say kick it for now. I'm definitely not giving them my money. Mm -mm. Well, thanks everyone for humoring me and for taking a look at, uh, at a couple of these things, early ninja and, uh, and sunless skies. Um, we'll, uh, we'll keep them coming every week, more, uh, more crowdfunding projects to, to take a look at. But now, and I don't want to overhype this. We have the most amazing segment of the show. Uh -oh. Mr. Nice Guy's favorite, my favorite, your favorite. It's Mr. The nice Guy. Dummy of the week. Week, week, week. 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 
a portion of the show where we talk about someone who did something stupid so that you can learn from it and laugh at it. Uh, guys, this one comes from the Telegram. And, man, I wish I had a really, really, really funny one this week. But people have been acting intelligently. I don't know what it is that maybe people know if they act up, they'll get kicked out of the U.S. <laughs> they get deported. You never know. And there will be a wall to stop them from coming back in. We don't get political on this show, though. So um, this story comes from the Times-Telegram. This says, uh, I won't read the title. We'll, we'll just read the story, the article. It says, a Mohawk woman has been charged in the theft of a video game system that was advertised for sale on Facebook, police say. Emily R. Gilman, 23, was charged with two counts of first-degree criminal possession of a forged instrument, a felony, and one count of pettit larceny. A well, forged instrument. Is that anything like, you know, like a fake Stradivarius? I don't know what a Stradivarius is. <laughs> it's a violin! It's like the only violin... Oh, sorry, sorry. Okay, no, you, but you, here's the thing, and we can segue for a second. You said that like I should know what a Stradivarius yes, is. Yes, you should. I Stradivarius. I Everyone knows Stradivarius. And I've never heard that word. Let's In the chat, if you have heard of the word Stradivarius type 1, if you have not, press 2. Stradivarius and Oh, see, one. I even said it wrong. Stradivarius. And, Mac, you don't get to vote in the chat because you're the one who said the word. For all we know, you could have made that up. Listen, don't ever play uh, – what's that What's that game where you, you try to spell Scrabble? Scrabble. See, he read my mind. Don't ever play Scrabble with Maxion. He will just make stuff up. Now, here's the thing, Galvatron. You just said it's an expensive rare violin but in the chat, but you said that because he just said that out loud. That doesn't mean that you heard of it before now. That just me oh wow, you guys in the chat, everybody's yes. a liar. Everybody's Everybody a liar. has heard of it. Everybody's you... a liar. Everybody okay. in here knows what a Stradivarius is, and I am an intelligent college educated dude. I've never heard of it. Someone said one, meaning that he's heard of it, but only last year. What happened last year that made you hear you went to you went to the He got cultured. That's what happened. Nonsense. Stradivarius. <laughs> I'm going to go to work tomorrow and ask a bunch of people who I work with, have you ever heard of a Stradivarius? And they're going to say no. Anyway, back to our dummy of the week, y'all. Yeah. Um, anyone else who types one, I'm going to slap you. I'm going to slap you through the computer because you guys are all lying. Uh, anyway, Emily R. Gilman, 23, was charged with two counts of first degree. Okay, wait a minute. Now, he, someone in the chat just said, my father-in-law mentioned it, so I looked it up. When does Stradivarius come up in everyday conversation? I will take this to the end of the podcast to the grave. You're just sitting at the table eating some hamburgers or watching some football with some chips and root beer. He's like, where's my Stradivarius? I, I haven't seen my Stradivarius. Son, did you take my Stradivarius? When would that ever come up in a conversation? You guys are all liars. Okay. Uh, it says the charges stem from a December 27, 2016 investigation by the New Hartford Police Department at Carolyn Court Apartments on Clinton Street in New York Mills regarding the theft of an Xbox video game system. Now, this is already suspect because I wonder if the person who's writing the article just doesn't realize that nobody would steal an Xbox right now. I'm assuming it's really an Xbox One and not actually an Xbox, unless it was a modded Xbox, in which case I guess I could understand. The theft victim told police... I love that they call him the theft victim instead of just the victim. 
uh, told police that they posted the video game system on sale or for sale on Facebook. A woman later identified as Gilman allegedly responded to the listing and came to the victim's residence where she convinced the victim to hand over the video game system to her while she sat in the vehicle. <laughs> After the handover, Gilman allegedly threw what appeared to be paper money out of the driver's side window and sped away. After picking the money up off the ground, it was obvious it was counterfeit and the police were called. Gilman was arraigned in Newtown Hartford Court and released on her own rec- recognizance. She is scheduled to return to court at a future date. Um, so here's here's why I think that this story is extremely stupid, why the lady in this story is extremely stupid. First of all, if you respond to a Facebook ad and then steal from the person, they know your real name because you used your Facebook profile, right? And then if you uh, if you show up and you throw fake money at them, they have your fingerprints. Your your fingerprints are, are on the money. So uh, they call the police. They know your name. And all the police have to do is verify your fingerprints with that name. And they probably have your address. Um, thirdly, the guy who actually was going to sell this console, why would you hand a console to somebody or anything expensive to somebody who's sitting in their car with the engine running? That makes no sense whatsoever. And then... When she threw the money at you, you didn't call the police immediately. You just thought, oh, let me pick this up. Oh, wait a minute. It's Monopoly money. And you couldn't tell that it was fake money while she was sitting in the car. There, there's so many holes in this story. Um, I, I just don't understand. Now, people in the chat are still saying that they know what a Stradivarius is. I'm going to start timing people out because y'all are all liars. Every single one of y'all. No one knows what a Stradivarius is, and Posse, I bet you just spelled it wrong in there. Um, but anyway, that's our Dummy of the Week, you guys. And apparently I'm the Dummy of the Week, too, because I didn't know what a Stradivarius was. Nonsense, Mr. Nice Guy. Everybody has blind spots. That sounds like a new, I, I undiscovered don't, planet. I don't want to be put on a pedal stool because I know what a Stradivarius now is. Now you're making fake words. Pedestool is not a word. <laughs> Pedestal is a word. See, everybody's got blind spots. Stradivarius for you, pedal stool for me. It's 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 just something. I'm right there with you, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, boy, that was a dummy. I, I hope that I can at least be at least somewhat entertaining in our next segment, which we call Legalese, where we talk, <clears throat> where we talk a little bit about some of the uh, the legal things that are going on now going on in the past sometimes the ways that they've uh, shaped how we interact <clears throat> with uh with video games and some that have potential to in the future this one happens to be you know what take two interactive has been has been coming up a lot today even here in the legalese this is about the vigil siblings versus take two interactive specifically under um nba 2k um, so let me uh, break it down here. The claim by the Vigil siblings is that NBA 2K's My Player feature can record detailed biometrics. Um, you know, essentially the face scan yeah, of a yeah, person. It can, it can, yeah. And the company can retain the scan more or less forever and is able to share that biometric data whenever and with whomever they like. Wow, this their I did not claim. know. This I did not now, know. Now, this is their claim. 
This is this is the claim that they brought that they sent to court where they're like, let's let's figure this out. Let's you know we are suing Take Two Interactive because of this. This is their claim. Also, they're in Illinois over there with you, Mr. Nice Guy, and they say that uh, according to Illinois law, specifically the Biometric Information Privacy Act, that that specifically protects biometric data so that written consent must be obtained for any and all sharing of biometric data. Now, that was their claim. That's what they took um, took, uh, Take-Two Interactive to to court over. Now, the counterclaim from Take-Two Interactive started with the Biometric Information Privacy Act was designed to prevent the misuse of biometric data, biometric data, but only for security and financial purposes, and therefore can't apply to um, to entertainment. Now, um, to this uh, to this biometric data, which is being used just for uh, uh, just for entertainment purposes. Now, as a brief side note, to bolster this claim. Um, they also made a little bit. Of, uh, they made a bit of a of a of a point to say, and this is not like biometric data that is going to be usable for security purposes, because and they brought up a bunch of those things uh, with people like making my play uh, my. Yeah, my players on NBA 2K that had like hideously warped faces, yeah. and and you've seen some of those, Mister Nice yeah, Guy, yeah. and and so somebody's yours, somebody else's, perhaps anybody's horribly deformed NBA 2K my player, um, could possibly have been used just to point out in court, just to have just to point out how not you know, useful this would be for security purposes. So just saying, if you have a horrible NBA 2K pl- my player, you may have assisted, however indirectly, in winning this court case. That's just right. Just that out there. Um, so uh, they also went forward to say that avatars are not linked to an individual, but rather to a game account. So it can't be used necessarily for security purposes. And the last one that they hammered home with it was that they did, the people... Uh, the vigil, you know, brother and sister, um, they did give consent before they activated the feature to be used in my player. And the last nail in the coffin here, they said no injury has been caused and therefore there's no standing to sue because you can't actually show where the, uh, where the, my team player has, uh, has caused any injury. damage right. and you've got to have injury before you can have, uh, before you can have standing to sue. And that, my friends, is uh is just an interesting little thing here now depending upon who's reporting this particular thing because uh if there's two things that reporters don't like to do that is one research and that is two statistics um but uh <laughs> but when it comes i mean like i'm serious you can read like a a, a science writer for a n- newspaper or a peri- or a or a magazine and they'll say scientists show this and it's like you read the paper and it's just like nope they showed the opposite so uh so i've seen a couple of people reporting this story that it's like judge rules that uh, that and that take two intera- interactive can store your biometric data forever with no with no you know issues and it's like nope nope this That's is not, not what, what happened about. this was this was about they you know this was about it was about those things they made the claim 
Then NBA 2K came in with the counterclaim, and that's where we stand on legalese. I found this one to be awesome. If you guys want to read the 55-page legal brief summary, um, I, I do. can... I can at your at request. I'll throw it in the chat, but uh, but otherwise, uh, but otherwise, just a good thing, and it's kind of kind of fun to hear the sort of legal disputes that we run into at any given point in time. So, uh, but that is our legalese, legalese for this episode of Two Nerds in a Pod. Guys and girls, this has been episode eighteen of Two Nerds in a Pod. We're coming up on the tail end of our show. It's been a fun show, great week. We do this every week, usually on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Central, St- excuse me, 9 p.m. Yeah, Central Standard Time, 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. This week we're doing it Thursday because nice guy messed up and had some stuff going on. But we'll be back next week here live on twitch.tv backslash two nerds in a pod. Hit us up on our social medias. Mine is nice guy gaming on Twitter. Max is Maxion or at two nerds in a pod on Twitter. Now, before we leave, we always like to do a little section called What We're Watching and What We're Playing. We talk about the games we're playing and the movies and the shows we're watching. And while we're doing it, we like you guys to let us know in the chat what you've been watching and what you've been playing so we can find new cool stuff to get into. Mac, you want to start us off, man? I would be delighted to. Um, So Mrs. The Mac and I are almost done doing, um, uh, almost done with uh, the... Uh, Stargate SG-1 nice. series. Nice. Um, that's cool. Uh, I also started watching this uh, fun little series called... Uh, um, oh, the name escapes me, and I know we're short of time, so I'll just skip uh, skip to what I'm playing then um, by saying that uh, I've been playing a little bit of uh, Mega Man 7 and Mega Man 8 lately. Nice. nice. They are that's frustrating, right. and uh, and I've been playing the demakes. Somebody took those uh, the final Mega Man 7 and Mega Man 8, which are both in a completely different style from the other classic Mega Man games, and kind of toned them back, demade them into games that would be at home on the Nintendo. Nice. So, so it's 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 challenging but fun. And so that's what I've been playing. Nice. Now I've been watching we just got into we finished season four of Arrow and we started watching DC's Legends of Tomorrow. We're only one episode in, but I'm really, really enjoying what I've seen of it so far. It seems like a solid show where you get to see some of the side characters who exist in the Flash, in the Arrow, in uh, the other shows. And it's it's really good. I'm really enjoying it. Actually, it might just be Flash and Arrow's characters. Um, and then as far as what I've been playing, Mac, you know I have the Raspberry Pi. Mm-hmm. So I've been, dude, I've been going retro. I've, I'm addicted to Miss Pac-Man. That game is so good, man. It's so simple, but so addicting. And then you were talking about Castlevania earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. I've really been getting into, I believe it's Aria of Sorrow. Now, I first really got into Castlevania on the Nintendo DS. That console, man, or that handheld had so many good Castlevania games. There were There's like three or four that were released for the DS, and they were all amazing. It's what really got me into Metroidvania, other than Metroid, um, Mm -hmm. was was those Castlevania games. So I had never played the ones that are on the Game Boy Advance, and so that's what I'm doing now, is playing one of the old Game Boy Advance ones. I believe it's called Aria of Sorrow, and it's really, really good. Um, I did play a little Overwatch, because they have this event going on right now um, for the Year of the Rooster. And, uh, and I had some fun doing that. And then as far as what I've been... I already talked about what I've been watching. 
it was DC's Legend of Tomorrow. So that's pretty much it for me. Now, Mac, how about this week? You read what the people in the chat have been watching and playing. I usually do it. Absolutely. We've got uh, we've got watching from Galvatron watching some Alien Anthology on Blu-ray. Voltron Season 2, which is out on Netflix now. Pulp Fiction. Uh, Mr. Robot on Amazon Video. I heard that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I've heard good things about it too. Pazzy's been watching other people play Resident Evil 7 uh, because he's not much of one for the horror aspect, but he just was entranced by the idea of it. Um, we've got a Castlevania 3. Uh, we've got uh, some Titanfall 2, Forza Horizon 3, and Last Guardian. And um, uh, Prime now is watching one, The 100 on Netflix. Um Oh gosh, that that you know is there and then it is gone. Now, real quick before we bounce, for those of you who are new, thank you for coming to the live show. For those of you listening on iTunes after the fact, thank you for doing it. Uh, please leave a rating, like, subscribe, hit up all the social medias. Mac, did you have something you wanted to add before I play that outro music? No, you know, I think I'll save this for next time. Are you sure, man? Because it's, it's like five days until we do it. The next I'm time... sure. I'm sure. I can hold off those five days, I think. Okay, don't forget it. Guys and girls, we'll be back next Tuesday. Let's get the music going. We'll be back next Tuesday here on twitch.tv backslash two nerds in a pod. This has been fun. The nerdiest game podcast in the galaxy. We'll see you guys and girls next week. Keep it nerdy. Deuces. <laughs>